0: Merry Christmas from Calvary Raleigh. We are so excited that you've chosen to worship with us today. And what an awesome thing. The fourth Sunday of Advent. Advent is a powerful reminder of what was, what is, and what is still to come. And uh, today at 4 p.m. we celebrate uh, the the risen. So we celebrate a, a Savior who's come to earth. Who came to ultimately lay down his life on the cross of Calvary. I hope you'll make plans to be here. I was looking just a few moments ago. We have about 252 people already pre-registered for this afternoon. Uh, we're expecting over 400 people. Every single seat uh, is going to be full. And we're praying that God speaks to hearts. So maybe you're, you're able to come. Hopefully you'll be able to be here. If not, be praying as the gospel is presented. Many people will show up on Christmas Eve that may not come to church uh, the entire year long, and our prayer is that they hear and they understand the truth of the gospel, and I hope you and your family will make plans to be here. It's going to be one of my favorite services of the whole year. Uh, We have a candlelight service, uh, singing by candlelight, and it's an unforgettable experience, and it's an incredible opportunity for us to share the good news of the gospel with our city, with our community, and years ago but he's going to come again and we have an opportunity to to tell others about the love of Jesus and what he came to accomplish the first week of, of, of December we studied about the thrill of hope in Romans chapter 15 and how when all seems lost God delivers he brings hope to the downtrodden he brings hope to the hopeless to those who are struggling to find purpose and meaning of life they're looking at the future and it looks bleak And Jesus Christ offers us hope. He offers us that right relationship. The second Sunday, we talked about peace and how Jesus came as the Prince of Peace. And he's offering us peace, not the peace of God, but also peace with God. He offers us that right relationship. And folks, when everything else in this world is out of sorts, we can have confidence and a God who is, is under, everything is under his control. He is sovereign, he's holy, he's just, and he has all of the things of this life under control. Uh, with the, last Sunday, we studied about the joy that comes from when Jesus came to the world, he brought joy to the world. Jesus offers us joy. In the, in the story in Luke 2 talks about good news of great joy, which shall be to all the people. Folks, Jesus came to offer us joy in this life. And the shepherds were the key figures of that story as they were the first ones to see the Christ child who was born there in a manger in Bethlehem. And they got to see and experience what it was to, to, to know Jesus personally and experience being in the presence of deity and being in the presence of God incarnate. The shepherds accepted the gospel and they came and worshiped Christ uh, the, the Christ child, they left rejoicing. The word of God says they returned rejoicing and praising God for all that they had seen and heard, they had heard. This morning, though, we celebrate the last Sunday of Advent is about love. And it's talking about the love of God that he has for you and me. Jesus Christ was God's love story. He offers a relationship with God the Father. And he does that through sending his son, Jesus, to earth. His plan all along was the redemption of man, God's love undergirds the whole story of the Bible from creation to the fall of man to redemption. It was an ongoing process of restoration. And in that very first book of the Bible, in the first chapter, we see God's love for mankind. He says in Genesis one, verse 26, God said, let us make man in our own image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea Over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. It says God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female created he them. What was the plan? God says he created man in his own image. He created man like him and we were created to love God. We were created to worship God, have that experience of walking with God, talking with God and Adam and Eve get, just got to experience that in the garden there before the fall. They experienced what it was like to talk to God. And, and folks, imagine what that would have been like to, to spend that time uh, daily with God and walking and talking with him. But folks, today in the church age, we have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit of God living within us. And so if you know Christ is your Savior, he, is in, he dwells within us. He came to earth 2,000 years ago, but those of us that know Christ as our Savior are able to have a personal relationship with God. And so man was the pinnacle of God's creation. When God finished creation on day six, he looked around, he saw everything that he had made, and he said, it is good. So imagine when God looked at you, he looked down, he saw you, he saw what he created, he said, it is good. And so you can be confident we are created in his image he created us for a purpose. We were created by him and for him, the word of God tells us. and folks, But it didn't take long for man to rebel against God. In fact, God created man in Genesis chapter 1. And in only two more chapters, we had already messed that all up. Man rebelled against God. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3... Uh, Adam and Eve sinned against God. They ate of that forbidden fruit. They thought that they knew better than God. They thought that they would be like God because the devil was deceiving them. He tricked them. He he, he taught them a lie, and, and they bought that lie and they ate of that forbidden fruit. So God did destroy Adam and Eve. He did punish them for their sins, but He promised a future redemption. So as we weave through the story of the Old Testament we see evidence of God's loving plan begin to unfold. God promised Abraham that he would make his descendants a people who would bless all people. God foretold the one born of a virgin who would set the captives free, bear our transgressions, suffer our punishment. He would ultimately die on the cross so that we could be redeemed. Isaiah prophesied these words for the Lord. He says, for the mountains may depart, the hills be removed. He says, but my steadfast love shall not depart from you. My covenant of peace shall not be removed, says the Lord, who has compassion on you. You see, God loves us all throughout New Testament, the Old Testament. We see evidence of the love of God when God's people face exile from the land he declared in in the book of Isaiah, he says, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, who formed you, O Israel, fear not, he says, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. I love this next phrase. You are mine. Don't you love that? Because it's a reminder. If you know God, if you have a relationship with God, we are his children. He loves us. Here's nothing that happens in our lives that catches him by by surprise or off guard. And he's sovereign. He's holy. He carries about us. He says, but now thus says the Lord, he says, you're mine. He says, when you pass through the waters, I love this. He says, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flame shall not consume you. What is he saying? He says, it doesn't promise that this world is going to be, that this life is going to be free from pain, free from suffering, free from trials. But what God does remind us, if we know him, if we have a personal relationship with him, nothing catches him by surprise. And he's there every single step of the way. Walking us through the the trials, the troubles, the the deep waters, the the fiery furnaces of this world. He says he promises us he will not leave us. He will not forsake us. He will not abandon us. He says, for I'm the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. So as we examine the bigger picture of God's love for his people during this Advent season, it helps us to understand the significance of that very First advent the coming of the savior matthew begins his gospel account with the genealogy of jesus he traces his lineage back through king david just as the old testament prophets had foretold all the way to abraham he wanted us to connect to god's picture of love and 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 redemption of mankind love would ultimately come to earth god incarnate in the form of a tiny baby, ultimately to fulfill a promise made centuries earlier. This morning, we're going to pick up the story in John chapter 3. We see the purpose of God's Son coming to earth. It's all about God's love. And the Word of God tells us in the, the Gospel account of John chapter 3. It says, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Verse 16 says, for God so loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal or everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts this morning? God, I pray that we would for just a few moments just set aside all of the distractions around us. What we're having for lunch today, what the the evening or the afternoon is going to look like, what, what, what tomorrow is going to look like for us, and just set aside all of that. And for just a few moments, focus on the God of love that loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross. God, would you arrest our attention and God, would our focus be on experiencing the love of God this morning? This Christmas season, would we experience the love that you sent in sending your son here to earth? God, help us not to miss the whole point of the story of of Advent, the whole story of of Christmas and what you came to accomplish. Lord, I pray for those who do not have a personal relationship with you, that this morning you would get a hold of their heart and allow them, their eyes to be open to the truth of the gospel. And God, they would receive the truth of salvation this morning and place your faith and trust in you. For those of us that know Christ as our Savior, may we be overwhelmed by your love and the fact that no matter what we're facing, we have the confidence of knowing you're right there with us, carrying us through the struggles and the trials of this life, and we can have confidence and joy as we experience the love of God this morning. Speak to our hearts. God, we give you the honor glory and praise. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Why did Jesus come to earth? Why did Jesus come to earth? In fact, if you think about it, God could have chosen a million different ways to save the world. He, there's, he, his power is, is, is infinite. It, 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 it's, it's limitless. He could have chosen a million different paths to save the world. In fact, he could have done it in a million different ways. But folks, God loved us so much as he looked down and he saw sinful man. And and let us be reminded, this was not plan B. This is God's plan A. He knew before the foundation of the earth, he knew us, the word of God says, he knew that man was gonna fall into sin and that we would all be born in sin. But folks, he had a purpose and a plan. He wanted to bring a savior to the earth to, to redeem the hearts of mankind. So why did he come? Why did Jesus have to die? The death of Jesus was necessary because God loved us so much. The crucifixion of the son of God was a direct result of the love of God For you and me. This was necessary. In fact, verse 15 says that whoever believes in him might receive eternal life. In fact, it's the only way. When I talk about there's a million ways he could have he could, he's God. He's all powerful. He's all he's all-knowing. But folks, he chose the only way that you and I could be redeemed and be saved is by sending his son to be the saviors. We've studied the advent story. We know that Mary and Joseph. Had a plan. They had to go to Joseph's homeland and they had to register and pay taxes. And it was all part of the the custom of of that day. But folks, the good news is not only did they have a plan, God had a much greater purpose. They were fulfilling Old Testament prophecy that talked about he would be born in the, the town of Bethlehem. The good news is you and I were that purpose. God all along was looking down and saw our sinful state, and that's the good news. Last week we looked at Luke 2:11 and it says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. That's personal. He says, For unto you is born this day. So what are he saying? He says he had a plan for your soul, for your life to, in, to, to intersect with that of Jesus. It wasn't an accident that Jesus came. It was God's divine plan, for God so loved the world. This Advent season, for you to truly experience the hope and the peace and the joy, we must first receive the love of God. He he loves you. It was all part of of God's redemption plan for man. In Matthew 1.21, the Word of God says, She will bear a son. You will call his name Jesus. Here's the purpose. For he will save his people From their sins. Every single time. It keeps pointing back to the fact. The whole reason Jesus came. Was to be the savior of the world. That's why Jesus came to earth. He came because God loves us. And he sent his son. To save us from our sins. What did we need? We needed forgiveness. We needed hope. We needed healing. So that my friends is why God sent a savior. Nothing else would heal our broken, sin-filled hearts, except for Jesus Christ, God's son. He was born of a virgin. He lived a perfect, sinless life, and was the only sacrifice that could pay for our sins. He is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sin of the world. Sometimes we get the idea that God is just there to judge us and that he's somehow sitting up there on his throne and it's like chess pieces that, you know, we, we, we step out a lot and we sin against God and he's right there to kind of kick us out of the way or he's there to punish us or put us in, 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 uh, in God's jail or whatever. And we think that somehow he's out there, to, he's trying to just trip us up. But the word of God says in verse 17, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him. Remember the woman at the well? All of the religious people were pointing a finger saying, look, she deserves not God's love and favor. She deserves judgment. She deserves hell. Look at her life. Look at all the things that she's done. And you know what he says? He saw her just as if she had never sinned. He, he understood what, all of the sin. and In fact, he said that the person you're with is not even your husband. But he didn't condemn. He came to save her. He came to transform her life and call her to a, a greater life. He came to transform and save. God's reason for sin His son was not to condemn, but to save us from our sin. And if church, if we miss that, we miss the entire mission of Christ coming to earth. He came to offer us new life. He came to redeem mankind. He came to offer us forgiveness. So what do we have to do to be saved? But The Bible is clear on the gospel of Jesus. In order to be saved, we have to acknowledge that we are a sinner. We have to acknowledge that we don't deserve God's love and forgiveness. It's only by his grace. It's only by his mercy that we can be saved. He says, for all of sin." And fall short of the glory of God. That is every single one of us. In fact, none of us measure up. To fall short means we don't, we don't come close to where God is. He's holy. He's perfect. And folks, he's righteous. And, and I, as, if you don't know that you're a sinner, why would you need a savior? Why would Jesus come to earth if we weren't sinners? If we did not need saving? But Romans 5.8 says God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, what did he do, church? Christ died for us. He died for us. You see, God loved us so much that even though we were sinners, he still sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross. John 3.16 is the most famous, most well-known, most quoted verse in all of the scripture. If a person knows only one verse in the entire Bible, John 3.16 is probably the verse that they know. And they'll quote it in some way, shape, or form. They know basic tenets of what it's all about. That's it's the verse you learned if you went to Sunday school as a child. It's the verse you learned in vacation Bible school or in Christian school or in Christian church preschool. These are the verses that you learn. How do we know that God loves us? Because he gave us his son, Jesus. This Christmas season is all about giving gifts. In fact... Last night, we had my wife's family over at our house, and I mean, there was wrapping paper everywhere. I mean, it's just, it's one of those moments, and then the dogs got out, and they were running around and playing and sticking their head in the bags, trying to find toys or, or candy or all those good treats and things that come this time of year. But folks, with all of that, the greatest gift was Jesus Christ, God's Son. He gave us His Son. This Christmas, as we're giving gifts His families are opening presents. The kids were talking about the things that they asked for for Christmas. The greatest gift ever given was given by God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. We must believe. God so that we don't have to die. We must call upon the name of the Lord in order to be saved. Remember the angel said to the shepherds for unto you is born this day a savior. and Romans 10:13, kind of says the same thing as the last part of John 3:16 and he says for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We'll receive redemption. We'll re- experience God's grace. Experience God's mercy as he transforms all. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That offer stands for each and every one of us. If you've never received Jesus Christ as your Savior this morning, that offer stands for you. Salvation is available for all. But we must choose to receive Jesus. For God so loved the world. That's a matter of fact. He loved the world so much that he gave his only son. But the last part of verse 16 is what the decision is. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. If I offered you... It's not the latest I've had. If I offered you an iPad this morning and said, I have a gift for you, I want to place you in your hand, Michael... What do you have to do to receive it? You have to work for it? You work hard. Yeah. Uh, you have to work for it? Absolutely not. To receive a gift, all you have to do is be willing to accept it. When God offers us eternal life, we ha- we acknowledge our sin. We need Christ. But folks, ultimately, what we do is we receive. What Jesus already accomplished on the cross, we're saying, Lord, I believe that I'm a sinner. I don't deserve your grace. I don't deserve your mercy. I don't deserve your love. But I accept what you did on the cross when you died, when you were buried, when you rose again the third day. And the best way I know how I accept you as my Lord and as my Savior what happens is then we our our lives is is our our lives are are forgiven our sins are forgiven our life our relationship with god is restored and folks we can experience what it means to have that personal intimate relationship with jesus christ and i love what happens here It, it radically transforms our lives the moment we accept christ as our savior We begin to experience the love of God for the very first time. We begin to experience something we don't deserve, the grace of God, and experience his unmerited favor things. We don't get what we deserve. We get what we don't deserve. And so John 3.16 says that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. In fact, God is not willing that any should perish. He desires that all men and women should be saved. But it's the decision that we must choose. John 15 verse 13 says, Greater love has no one than this. That someone lay down his life for his friends. Folks, I hear people talk about our our military and I'm so thankful for them. But folks, even more than that, the love of the Father. He took our place. He died in our place. He laid down his life for us. That's what Jesus did. He took my place. And this Christmas, the greatest gift that I could possibly receive is the gift of eternal life. Experiencing the grace of God. Experiencing the favor of God. Experiencing the salvation of God. Jesus Christ wants you to be saved. If you've never placed your faith and trust in Jesus, you're missing the greatest part of the Christmas story. Because you see, experiencing the love of Christ will radically transform you he gives you hope he gives you peace he gives you joy he gives you contentment when all of the circumstances of life are out of control we can experience the love of christ and and that right relationship so no matter what happens in this life and As we turn on the news, as we watch what's happening around the world, folks, my faith is not shattered by what's happening in Israel. My faith is not shattered by what's happening in Ukraine or what's happening in our nation's capital or or in downtown Raleigh. My faith is centered on the word of God and Jesus and his love for us. What he took place 2,000 years ago makes possible a right relationship with Jesus. I wonder this morning, have you personally received the gift of eternal life. Have you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior? Have you have you have you been saved? If not, the word of God says today is the day of salvation. It's only by God's grace that we can be saved. And he says we don't deserve it, but God loves us so much, he chose to send his son to be the savior of the world. You see the gospel is As simple as ABC, sometimes we try to complicate things and we can make it too difficult. But the reality is, is it's as simple as ABC. It's so simple, a child could understand it. Each one of these kids that were sitting up on the stage began at an early age to understand that Jesus loves them, that God loves them, that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross. We must admit that we are a sinner. Every single one of us. There is none righteous, no, not one. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We must believe that Jesus died and rose again. We place our faith uh, and trust in one Jesus Christ. And then thirdly, confess your sins and trust in Jesus for salvation. This morning, if you don't know Christ as your Savior, that is the single most important decision has nothing to do with whether you've been tracking that package. Some of you right now during during church, I'm just being honest, you've gone on Amazon and you're tracking that package to make sure it's going to arrive on time. And folks, just give up on it. But the most important decision is, are you going to receive the gift of eternal life? Are you going to accept what Jesus Christ accomplished on the cross? Confess your sins and trust in Jesus for salvation. Can I invite you to Bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. No one else is looking around. I want to ask you that question I just asked a few moments ago. Have you personally received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? No one else is looking around. No one else is, everyone's heads are bowed. Have you personally accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior?